This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. And welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox. In just a few moments, John Carlson will join us with a fresh Vancouver real estate update and lots more on the 1% Realty story. But first, here are some more of the top consumer stories we're following this week. British Columbians have more debt than other Canadians and are also having greater difficulty dealing with paying down that debt, according to a new report from the Superintendent of Bankruptcy this week, which details consumers' ability to pay back creditors on their terms and on time. The report found insolvency is up 5% from last year in BC. Living in the most expensive city in Canada is a big part of it too, as housing costs here are cutting into our ability to keep up with our other living expenses. And the analysts say it doesn't matter whether you pay rent or a mortgage, your costs are still just higher here period. The report in BC shares similar findings with other reports across Canada, notably the new personal debt number. Remember a year or so ago when we each owed $1.67 for every dollar we earned? Well, that number is now up to $1.81, and that's the national average that has lenders concerned. Also this week, we learned that Metro Vancouver has gone a year without a house price increase. Now, this would seem to fly in the face of that last report on debt until you remember where our prices are and then look at the latest numbers from the Terranet and National Bank report this week, which show our region's house price index fell 1% from June to July. It was the 12th consecutive month without an increase. Metro Vancouver was also the only metropolitan area surveyed that saw its index fall in July. Prices were down 6.2% over July 2018. Last year, they say that was the market's peak. Victoria was up a half percent in July. That's also the number for the year for Victoria so far. Business at Vancouver reported this week our price weakness actually slowed down the national average. So good or bad? And for whom? Our next guest will have some thoughts on this story in just a few moments. Volkswagen is recalling about 117,000 cars in Canada for a problem that could let the cars roll away unexpectedly. The recall covers certain 2011 through 2018 Jettas, 2015 through 19 GTIs, 2015, 16, 18, and 19 Golfs, 2012 through 19 Beetles and Beetle Convertibles, and 2017 through 2019 Golf Sport Wagons. All have automatic transmissions, manual handbrakes, and keyless entry. VW says silicate can build up on a shift lever switch, allowing the key to be removed if the lever isn't in park. That could let the cars roll off unexpectedly, so dealers will add a switch and circuit board to fix the problem. The recall will start October 11th. A Volkswagen spokesman says he's not aware of any crashes or injuries due to the problem, and to check for vehicle recalls, you can visit Transport Canada's website. And now that fall is just a little over a month away, I know, I know, the people at AccuWeather have just released their seasonal forecast for this year, and it looks like we can enjoy the warmth of summer for a little bit longer, as AccuWeather has forecast the first wave of cold air will be a bit delayed this year. However, this could pose problems for the wildfire season across B.C. and the Rockies. 
The fire season is far from done, say the forecasters. We believe there may be a second surge in fire activity during the month of September from B.C. through Saskatchewan. Northern B.C. and the Yukon may escape the worst of the fire due to an anticipated wet pattern heading into the new season up there. Here's the summary. The main storm track this fall will be directed into northern British Columbia, but this will also feed mild Pacific air into much of the west as well. The colder temperatures will also arrive late in the Rockies this year. AccuWeather forecasting the snow season won't begin until later in the fall. However, it still must have been more than a bit of a surprise this week when campers out there on their summer vacation in the Fort Nelson area woke up to 35 centimeters of snow. Ah, let's get that coffee going. Those are some more of the week's top consumer stories. We'll check even more later in the hour, but coming right up is Johnny 1%. John Carlson is in studio to help home sellers and buyers with the latest real estate update. This is Vancouver Consumer, and you've got it on CKNW. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox, and it's a pleasure, always a pleasure, to welcome this fellow back to the studio and the program. John Carlson, Personal Real Estate Corporation, is in the house. Johnny 1%, good afternoon. Thank you, Sterling. Good to be back, as always. Well, I, I did a story uh, just a few minutes ago that you were sitting across the desk from me and listened to, uh, and it was the story, it was in business in Vancouver this week, about the lack of increase in Metro Vancouver's house prices, basically saying... Uh, that in the last month, uh, I promised our listeners, John, that you would have some thoughts on this. So we're cutting right to the chase. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, but basically, uh, they're saying that uh, in the last month, our region's house price index actually fell 1% from June to July. It was the 12th consecutive month without a price increase. And uh, we're the only metropolitan area in the country that saw the index fall. So a, a, a sea change, John, or just a bit of a market correction or both? Well, I think that the market is responding to some of the changes that have been introduced to the market, and that's welcome news, I'm sure. I mean, when, when I first heard that it was one year without a house incre- uh, price increase, my first thought was, boy, some people are going to pull out a cake and, and celebrate. Sure. Because, let's face it, a lot of people were, um, uh, have, been, have, have felt the effects of this market. And when the prices go way, way up and people can start getting priced out, Politically speaking, I mean, a lot of fallout, a lot of fallback, that sort of thing. So let's face it, there were some changes brought into the market, and I think that those changes are playing out exactly the way the provincial and the federal government you know, had in mind. So mm-hmm. what, we're a year without a, without a house increase. Uh, you know, to me, that says buyers are starting to get their way. Okay. We have so we're in a buyer's market then, right? Depending on the segment, of course. But okay. yeah, I think we are in a buyer's market. Uh, last time we were on the radio, we talked about the CMHC report, which basically said certain factors were getting a little bit more under control mm-hmm. and the risk levels were dropping. But the one underlying factor they were still concerned about was valuation. That there could be some room for that value, those valuations to continue to drop. Right. And uh, again, it depends on the segment, of course. The the high end properties, as everybody's seen in the press, that maybe people paid umpteen million for in the past, those have listed yeah. for half of what they bought. Well, I was going to say, two remember that we talked about this a few months ago. There's a house in West Van that was listed earlier on at twenty four million. It's been dropped to sixteen. That's an enormous price drop. But of course, it's still sixteen million bucks and still fantasy land for most everyone listening. That's right. So there's those those factors that go 
go into these stats. And uh, But then again, there are more affordable segments. And as we talked about, I think, a couple of weeks ago, some of these affordable condos, townhomes, outlying areas of, you know, into the Fraser Valley mm-hmm. or the outlying areas of the Real Estate Board of Greater Vancouver, Maple Ridge, Pitt Meadows, Langley, Samaria and Surrey's, we're seeing, uh, well, what I'm seeing is a number of buyers kind of jumping back into the market. So, for instance, if you have a $500,000 townhouse in Maple Ridge, Four seventy nine. I've got a new one. I'm going to announce it later. Okay. This is a property that's pretty hot because there's not that many listings out there that are real good, high quality, and an affordable price range. And those buyers that can afford that price range are, are rather plentiful. And I think a lot of them have gotten sick of sitting on the sidelines waiting. Now they've seen the prices come down a little bit. I'm, I'm just sensing that that there's a leveling off and that people are jumping back into the market. And if you actually look at a price graph... June and July and August, things started to pick up a little bit again. And that fall, the, 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 the decline sort of leveled out. Now, it's anybody's guess what's going to happen. But my guess is for these kind of markets, affordable detached houses under a million dollars mm-hmm. in some of these areas with a yard and a garage and a place to put your kids or a house with a suite for mom and dad that's under a million dollars. You can find these things where you couldn't for a while. Right. I think these properties are going to face a little bit of a resurgence. I think September and October are going to be the two best months of 2019 for sellers. This is just my prediction. Simply because so many people have been sitting on the sidelines for most of the year, even though they were ready to play, the game just didn't feel right. Yeah, I think that people were expecting there to be an adjustment, and now we've seen uh, an adjustment. Now, that adjustment may continue. We may still see prices drop in all the segments because, let's face it, there was a lot of upward pressure in this market for years and years and years prior to this past year. And the adjustment, there's a lot of room to change. But again, the high-end stuff, different category, I see that as being vulnerable. Affordable family homes that aren't you know, necessarily appealing only to investors looking to make money and flip in the next six months, but people going to their bank, getting a mortgage approval, yep. getting affordability, looking at an area where they like, maybe their kids want to go to school here, or this is where, where they want to be. These properties, I think that we're going to see leveling out of the market, and we've already seen a drop of you know five or ten percent throughout the market, depending on where you're looking. Yeah, they say six and a half of uh, a decrease since uh, July of last year. Year to year, uh, uh, prices are six and a half percent lower than they were last summer, which, according to this article, was peak of the market. Yes, and that makes a lot of sense. Just you know, discussing because again, the segments change. That might be a ten percent or more decrease in the high markets, mm-hmm. where it might only be five percent or something in uh, the more affordable markets, where there's more people to to play and snatch up those listings. And back to your point about that uh, townhouse uh, in was it in Langley, four hundred and seventy nine thousand dollars. That will get you a four hundred and fifty square foot apartment in the city. So if you for the same money, I, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm wondering about, John, is there are urbanites, there are people who only want to live downtown, but there are people who are, I guess, pragmatists, they're more realistic, and they're going, look, we could live downtown, I suppose, but for the same money. Look at what you can get just by, and you got to do a little traveling, so you got to factor in those travel expenses, gas insurance, or SkyTrain, or whatever. But there are, are you finding more and more people doing that? Because you, your home base is Maple Ridge, and you're out in Mission, and the Valley, and Langley, and Surrey, you're all over Metro Vancouver. Right. Are you seeing more of that? I am seeing more of that. Um, and just anecdotally, maybe this is a good time to announce uh, a new listing that I have. It's number 10, 20, I'm, I'm sorry, it's number 11, 228751225B. This is Coho Creek Estates in Maple Ridge. Uh, 479.9 gets you a fenced backyard backing onto Greenbelt, mm. single garage, extra parking space, 1,500 square feet, three bedrooms up, all good size, flush, level entry front and back. 
this is a great listing. Uh, here, anecdotally, I've got another listing on Elm Grove Drive. Now, this is one that's seven fifty nine nine, and we're out in South Burnaby. Okay. Great spot. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've been on the market a week. We've had two offers on the property already. Why? Because, well... I think that people are jumping back into the game. The inventory has been eaten up. Uh, now, they're both subject to sale offers. In fact, I'm having an open house at, se- at 4559 Elm Grove Drive in South Burnaby from Sunday from 1 to 3. So come by and see me. Okay. But this is another example. I'll get of you a- to remind us about that sure. later on in the show, too. This is, a, this is just another example of uh, a well-priced home. Now, it might have been a time when we might have listed it at 799 but those days are over. And I think as long as the seller is prepared to look at what the market's doing now, uh, you can get a lot of action. So to answer your question... Yes, I'm finding people uh, in the more affordable segments uh, of the market. There, you know, you don't have to sell to everybody, but you just have to find that right person. And some people will stay in the city, and that's wonderful. There's sure. great spots for them. But if you're looking for more value, the options are opening up a bit. The prices have come down, and uh, I think that a lot of buyers have decided that they've waited long enough, and it's time to maybe start investigating. And if they find the right deal, it's got to be the right deal. Price has to be good, has to suit them. But I think people are ready to commit because there, there have been an adjustment in the market, and that may be leveling out. Let's flip the coin and talk about sellers for a minute because we've been focusing on buyers mostly so far. Uh, if you're a seller or if you're a person whose game plan has always been, we're going to live in the house until point X, at which point we move, we cash in our chips. It's been a wonderful increase in value over the years. That's the game plan. Cash in our chips and move to a downsized sort of location, have plenty of loot left over for a fun retirement. If you're in that crowd, Uh, And you've been watching this correction, as they like to call it, decline in prices. Uh, What's your attitude these days? You talk to as many sellers, if not more, than buyers. What are they saying these days? Well, uh, sellers that are all different, but I think you you did hit it on the head. Some people are looking at the market saying, hey, maybe it's time for me to downsize. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've got more house than I need. Uh, you know, the kids are gone or lifestyle things have changed. And I am talking to a lot of people in that category who, and a lot of them say this to me, gee, I should have listed the house two years ago, a year and a half ago, but what can I get for it today? And again, it depends on the segment, but the higher end homes, I mean, the trend has been in throughout the market that the market's coming down, the air's coming out of that tire a right, little bit. Right. So for the most part of the market, I would suggest that sellers being in the market in September and October, they probably will do better than they might do in the spring of next year. In other words, I don't see any factors that are suddenly going to push things up. The more affordable segments, they might be a little bit different. There are some signs that we might be balancing out. Uh, The inventory ratios have stayed pretty healthy, so you know there's still a fair bit to look at, but it's not a glut of listings in, in the more affordable segments. So uh, you know, it depends on the buyer, it depends on the seller, but a lot of people are looking at maybe cashing out downsizing. And now that the prices have come down, I think you mentioned six point something six, percent. Six and a half percent. Yeah, 6.5 percent. Yeah. In the last year and yep. maybe higher in some higher price segments. I think the buyers are looking at those again saying, hmm, is this the time? So, you know, we're reading it day by day. Uh, you know, my uh, opinions come from a lot of anecdotal evidence of what I'm hearing out there when I talk to people and looking at the stats and, and doing doing deals, negotiating deals for buyers and sellers. But this market, you never want to underestimate the real estate market in Greater Vancouver and the Fraser Valley. Yes, we had a heck of a run where a lot of factors that some people would consider unnatural pushed the market beyond where it's ever been. And now we're seeing a market where the new reality is setting in and prices are coming down a bit, but they're not 
they're not dropping through the floor. There's a lot of people have tried to predict a bubble bursting for what exactly. the last ten I, years. Yep, yeah, you bet. And that's a dangerous business to be in if you're talking about Greater Vancouver because, as we've mentioned, thirty thousand people a year coming into the area. Uh, a lot. Oh, of, and by the way, I can improve that number. Oh we had one of the uh, one of the engineers, one of the heads of the Metro Vancouver Water Department on our show just last week, and he is responsible for the ten year plan for the metropolitan Vancouver region so that we continue to have an abundant supply of water. Their numbers, John, are 35,000 people a year moving into the metro Vancouver area easily to be anticipated each year for the next 10 years. So the estimate is actually even higher that they're using uh, at Metro Vancouver. You know, that's one of the things I love about doing this show is I learn as much, uh, you know, from talking to you as I do in, in terms of telling other people what I know. So uh, I think that's great for the listeners to be able to tune in on this because I didn't know that. Yeah. But I do know that, uh, you know, in my opinion anyways, this market is not going to bottom out and crash and, and crash and burn. We're looking at an adjustment period. We've seen some adjustment, and there's already signs of people saying, hmm, you know, maybe it'll go down a little bit more, but I'm not going to sit on the sidelines forever. Honey, look, rates are low. Our kids are growing. Let's get into that townhouse. Our, and so that's what I'm seeing. All right. And I was going to say, friends, our guest, uh, Johnny 1%, is the nickname. Johnny1percent.ca is the website. And the nickname comes from being a member of the President's Club. And that is simply those realtors in Metro Vancouver and the Fraser Valley who represent the top 1% of all in the profession year after year. Uh, this uh, last year, 2018, John Carlson was back in the President's Club as Johnny 1%. A repeat appearance, John, and congratulations for that. I wanted to ask you about valuation. You used that word a few minutes ago. And staying current with the market. You're a busy guy. This is why I brought up Johnny 1%, because you're all over town all the time. So how important is it to be on top of what to really expect for your home if you're considering selling? It's more important than ever to make sure you're priced reasonably. Make sure you're priced well. And the reason I say that, I mean, it's always important. Buyers are comparison shoppers. If I'm buying a car, a pair of shoes, I mean, I look at my options. I figure out what suits me. You know, you don't, I might not like what somebody else likes, but I'll make my own value judgment. And I'll say, does this suit me? But then I'll also say, hmm, is the price right? More than ever, buyers are value conscious in Greater Vancouver you and the bet. Fraser Valley. Yep. People, you know, not everybody, I don't know everything that's happening out in the market. Nobody does. So there's always this little bit of uncertainty. And I think that when people are pulling out a large chunk of money, to invest in a house that they're hoping to live in for a long time, the fear is, gee, I don't want to overpay. I mm-hmm. want to be very careful. And again, as a side issue, I think it's important to have a good agent when you're selling because offers are coming in a little bit low right now as buyers are careful. Lots more with John Carlson, johnny1percent.ca. Check it out during the news. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer for a Saturday afternoon. John Carlson, Johnny 1% is in the house. John, it's the last weekend of August, for crying out loud. Next weekend, we segue from August into September. What the heck happened to the summer of 2019? I don't believe you. I don't want to believe you. And I'm not going to face that until it's all over. <laughs> we were talking about uh, the correction the market has gone through in our first uh, segment here a few moments ago. And you started to tell us about the importance, and, and I, we interrupted you because we had a news break, but but let's go back to that. Let's go back to the point about selling, considering selling. Again, you've yeah. got the game plan. Uh, it, it, it looks like it could be the right time, but all of a sudden now we're seeing newspaper headlines about prices declining. And for sellers, that's not a welcome bit of news. But nonetheless, 
prices are still really, really high. You're talking a million bucks for a semi, uh, for a detached house pretty much anywhere in Metro Vancouver. So how important, the question was, and let's go back to it, how important, if you are considering selling, or if you're at the point where you're ready to pound that sign into your front mm-hmm. lawn, how critical is it for you to be really fresh in terms of that price? I think it's critical for you to know what you know, price to expect to be in. That doesn't mean you have to necessarily list there. There's a difference. Some right. people, they don't have, you know, there's no rush. And they say, you know what, John, I think the market might do this or there's not much competition. So, so if know, that's where we want to go, why don't we start a little higher and let somebody talk us down to where we want to go in the first place? That well, kind of thing? Yeah. And it, and it depends on the situation of the seller. It depends on strategy. For instance, again, I love this anecdotal stuff. I just, prior to coming here, met with a fellow uh, with a house in southern Surrey area. And really nice area. Mm-hmm. Um, I did an evaluation for him. We talked about it. We spent quite a bit of time going over comparables and what the stats are in the market and what his strengths might be and what the negotiating or weaknesses points might be on the sale. And when we looked at the area, um, in this specific area, which is quite nice, Greenbelt Park, I mean, the whole bit, I'm really hoping to have this listing next week. If I don't, I'll be heartbroken. Uh, but uh, it was interesting that everything we looked at, and now the prices had come down. Mm-hmm. You look at a year ago, you look at six months ago, you look at now, and the prices are down. But everything that had sold had sold relatively quickly, even if it had been priced a little bit high. And, and by that, I mean that the, the sale price was a fair ways under the asking price. And, you know, it occurred to us both that here was the range that probably made sense. Homes mm-hmm. that were a little bit cheaper had lacked some of the nice things we had. And homes, once you got to a certain point, wow, they're, well, they're just bigger and newer and right, right. more and more and more. Sure. So it's not that hard to kind of come up with a little range where you're probably in a success zone. I like to call it the success zone. Okay. But given the fact that there's nothing like it on the market right now, we both decided, hey, you know, if we list this, this is probably where we'll end up, but there's no harm in maybe trying it 20 or 25. Then this is in the 900 range kind right. of thing. Okay. Probably no harm in trying it 20 or 25,000 higher. Why? Because there's no competition right now. Uh, in that particular style and in that particular area. That's right. So and it's a hot area. And it's a very high demand area. South Surrey, White Rock, you bet. So yeah. somebody might be waiting for this listing to hit. They might just be checking MLS every day, just going, when is it going to come? When is it going to come? And then boom, it hits. So mm. in that sort of situation, do you necessarily need to have your price right down to where it's going to sell for? I don't think so. But on the other hand, let's say there are some segments uh, of the market. Maybe I shouldn't name them, but... Let's say areas where there's a lot of brand new townhome developments or new condos. Mm-hmm. I can think of some areas that I'm are thinking, heavy, uh, heavy, heavy. With uh, I'm thinking uh, in Burnaby, there are a couple of spots. Brentwood in Burnaby, my gosh, those towers around that Brentwood Mall. They're 30 and 40 story towers that are just, just being finished off now, John. Well, all kinds of areas like that. And and if you have, a say, a two or three year old condo in one of these areas and there's 60 for sale within a... $50,000 price range, give or take, of yours, and right. some of them are brand new, and some of them are developers that are offering these incentives, you probably want to be somewhat sharp, because if you're not in the, in, in, the, in the top certain percentage, the top half, at least, let's say, you virtually have no chance of selling, sure. because there's just three or four or six or ten others that are just as good or better in your price range. So that would be a different story. So again, both of these scenarios, it's important. What, know the market. What are things selling for? What are the dynamics? What's the absorption rate? In other words, if there's 100 listings and they're selling two a month, it might take you a while if you're not priced 
among the better. On the other hand, like the example I just gave you, if you've got something that there's not a lot of competition for, you don't have to uh, cut right to the chase. Who knows? Let's try it a little bit higher and see what happens and let the market decide. But I like to tell people when I do an evaluation, I'm not the market. Mm -hmm. I don't decide what homes will sell for. You're not the market. Nobody asked your permission in the last 10 years while your price skyrocketed. And now that it's come down a little bit, nobody's going to ask you your permission either. It's kind of up to you whether or not you want to operate in that environment. And if you do, know your environment, know what you're working in, know what the trends are, know what the sales are. And that's where a really good agent comes in. It's not about calling your client and saying, hey, Joe, there's a new listing on Fifth Street. Well, anybody can figure that sort of thing out. Sure. Those days are over. That's why Those... we have the internet, John. Exactly. Yeah. So the business has changed a lot since I started 23 years ago. What really helps people now, I think, is someone who comes into their home, and this is what I try to do, I'm an open book. Once we've talked about agency, mm-hmm. I give them all the information I can. Uh, I give them the best advice I can, and I'm honest. I just tell the truth as I understand it. But really what matters is the market, what the market says. So a good agent should know the market well enough to give you good advice based on what you want to do and what property you have. But in the end, it's really the market that's going to decide. So a good agent will give you good advice. And when you have good advice, you have confidence. And when you have confidence, you're able to discern between an offer that's not so good and an offer that might be good. And so I think that's powerful. And I think that's where you gain money. Like one of the things I specialize in, of course, is Saving people money. Absolutely. Hey, I sold for nine hundred grand, and or you know, this guy at this company quoted me a twenty-seven thousand five hundred dollar uh, commission. That happens to be seven and two and a half. That's right. No standards, but that's very common. It's pretty typical. Sure. And they might come to me and say, you know what, I don't really want to spend that kind of money. So I help people save money, and I can save them. We've had testimonials on this radio show where people have saved five, ten, twenty, even forty thousand dollars on commission compared right. to other things they've been quoted, and that's wonderful. But what's even more important is an agent that can help you maximize the sale. Because if I go out there and I say, hey, I'm going to save you $10,000 on commission, but I don't know how to give you advice. I don't know what the market's doing. We might overprice you. You might sit on the market six months and your price drops 50 grand. Or I might underprice you and you might sell and lose out money. So great to save money and that's what I do. Johnny 1%, as you mentioned, in the top 1% of the industry and all that sort of stuff at 1% Realty. And I save people money there. But... The big thing right now, because the environment's changing in industry, is having somebody who knows how to read the lay of the land and give you the right advice, and they're on your side, whatever you decide, and they work for you. You can do much, much better with a good agent than you can trying to save a few bucks on commission. I happen to offer, bo- offer both. Well, exactly. And I think the, the key the, is the 23 years that you mentioned uh, the, of your experience in the business, not all of which has been with 1% Realty. You've worked with other companies, so you've been around the block a few times, and you've been around long enough to have seen some of the high and some of the lows come and go. So again, the voice of experience navigating the maze as as be as we're going through a correction phase. Some people are still trying to figure out what the heck that means. Does that mean if I sell in September, I'm going to feel really bad in, next September when I go, oh my gosh, look what I could have gone if I just hung on to it for another year. But you know, that's not everyone's game plan. And sometimes you have to sell because you, know, you just got to transfer. That's right. <laughs> Away and you go. So there's different motivations. And, and again, I want to be careful to say, I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball. And I tell people that I'm very clear. But, you know, I on this show, I think I've gotten a little bit more brave over time. And when it came to July and we were in the middle of July, I was saying, you know, I think these are going to be some darn good stats because we're doing pretty well out here. And it turned out that the stats did bump up a little bit. And yeah. August may have slowed down a tiny bit because I think holidays and that sort of thing play in. But my prediction right now, again, I think September and October are going to be good active months as people kind of jump into the game a little bit more. 
under the overall umbrella of uh, the market still being a little bit overvalued. So you have to be uh, reasonable with your pricing if you want to be in the game. Interesting. We have Ben and I have an anecdotal story for you. One of our colleagues here at the radio station is leaving. Uh, she's moving to Edmonton because in addition to working here at the radio station, she also works on the weekends as a server in a hospitality job just to be able to pay her bills. And she desperately wants to buy a house for you know, obvious reasons. Just some people just want to own a house. Full stop. And she's leaving Vancouver. Mm. She, she has realized that uh, given her wage scale and, and the fact that she's working seven days a week and still can't even afford to begin to get in the game, she's taken a job in Edmonton. She's bailing. But, you know, she'll be quickly replaced as uh, 35,000 people are going to move here in 2019. Have you experienced this at all yourself, John? People just going, I'm sorry. If I want to get in the game... I got to blow town. Now, not a lot, but I'm sure so you've encountered oh, yeah. this. You've been around too much. I, I hear that a lot. I mean, I heard it uh, on the news here, listening to this radio program and some others uh, and uh, reading in the newspaper. You know, there's always these stories of people who are writing, what is it, a love letter or a broken heart letter to right. the city because they can no longer afford to live here. Yep. And yep. that's a reality. And that's, you know, that's unfortunate. Um, but I also hear, and I had heard, some people saying, hey, I'm just going to cash out. I mean, I don't know if this market's going to last. And right. wow, suddenly I'm a millionaire and maybe it's maybe time to it's cash time out and get those go chips. to Powell River or wherever it might be. So, <laughs> That's right. Again, there's a million different motivations and a million different properties and a million different buyers. And everybody, you know, my job is to kind of try to listen, understand what people want to accomplish, and then add whatever... I can add, and if people see some value with working with me, they hire me, and uh, and that's what I do. But yeah, I've heard all kinds of stories of that way. I'm sure you have. Johnny1percent.ca is the website, friends. Johnny1percent, all one word, .ca, and you can reach Mr. Carlson in just a few minutes. Give us a few more minutes to finish off the hour. The number, though, is 604-612-0080. Again, 604-612-0080. Eight O, and that's uh, John, John Sell, and he picks up pretty quickly and uh, is quite diligent in returning his calls. John, a lot of people, you're talking about testimonials, and we've run a few, not today, but we've run a few in the past, and doubtless we'll have more in the future. Uh, a lot of people happy with the fact that once you uh, assign yourself or once you agree to an arrangement to become their agent and it's mutual, uh, it's full steam ahead. Uh, it's, they save money. Bottom line, they get to keep more cash than perhaps they'd even imagined. And the the business of selling and negotiating, navigating the maze is skillfully handled. Well, thank you. And yes, that is absolutely my goal in a nutshell. I aim to save people money compared to many of their other options out there. Sure. So that's that's number one, of course. But also number one. Give good service and make sure you know what you're talking about so you can be of value. You know, I hear all kinds of stories about people who might be happy or not happy with their agents in the past. That's neither here nor there. What I try to do, again, is just focus and give them that service. And yeah, it is full steam ahead. If you want to sell, a lot of people, this is a big deal, Mm -hmm. right? There's a transfer happening. There's a child being born. Sometimes there are separations, whatever there might be. Lots of different reasons, good and bad, for people wanting to move. And sometimes, you know, most of the time, people don't want to mess around. They don't want to be, they don't want someone to throw a really high price at them to say, hey, sign these papers because I'm going to get you this unbelievable number only to be beaten down week after week after week till the property sells. Right. And they don't want somebody to throw some lowball number at them and say, uh, you know, hey, I can sell for this and then I get paid in a week and I go away and I never see again. I mean, these, these things are not what people want. In order to get the job done, Yes, you need to be in the game fully. I'm not a part-time realtor. This is my full-time job. And I understand that if I work for you, Sterling, for instance, 
that I got a job to do to make you happy and your interests are, are important and your interests become my interests. So that's my job. Okay. And one thing very quickly before uh, we have to go, you mentioned uh, over a coffee before we began the program, uh, keep have more of an open mind. And I wrote this down because we, we were talking about it just uh, in terms of the way buyers and sellers need to approach today's market, which could be different next week again in right. terms of valuations. It is fluid, to right. use a good word. So you have to keep an open mind. That's critical, isn't it? Positioning's important, and then keep an open mind. Yes, doesn't mean you have to take the first offer that comes along. Sure. But one thing I'm telling uh, you know my clients, uh, the selling clients, is this. Uh, one of the things I offer to my, my sellers is a, is a commission rate that's hard to beat, especially when you consider the experience level versus what I charge. And when I charge less commission, that means that the commission offered out to other agents is less. And we've talked about this about... You know, when offers come in from other companies, sometimes the buyer and the buyer's agent get together and they say, hey, you know, this commission's a little lower than I'm used to. And the buyer says, you know, I like you, Bob, at company XYZ, and I'm okay with you asking to increase the commission. So I, I get that, about 50% of the offers traditionally, okay. and we deal with that. And, you know, Part of the process. Part of the process. Sure. And, and so when I'm giving advice on evaluations, I'm also letting my sellers know this. The market has changed. Saving like to use that $900,000 home. Uh, at seven and two and a half, it's 27000 At 1% realty, it's 9950 Yep. Saving 60 or 70% on commissions getting a little bit harder. I'm telling my sellers, hey, I'm not going to throw a $27,000 anchor on your neck and put you on MLS in this price range, but what I will do is prepare you that they're going to ask to modify this most likely. And sometimes it doesn't hurt to keep an open mind on that and save 50% instead of 70%. So keep an open mind, pricing, commission, just get a good agent to give you good advice. Johnny1percent.ca is the website and where you'll find the phone number, which I will repeat one more time, 604-612-0080. Feel free to call John Carlson right now because we're done, John, unfortunately. We're fresh out of time. I thank you for yours. We'll catch up to you in a couple of weeks. See you in a couple of weeks. Thanks so much. And we're back after this. Once again, our thanks to John Carlson for another informative visit. Next week, Sherry McMillan returns with lots more on estate planning. And a new visitor, John Branton, will share investment strategies and advice. Time now for Duly Noted. And this time around, our producer, Ben Dooley, looks at ICBC fraud. Thanks, Sterling. Imagine this. A bus is traveling in rush hour and is cut off by another vehicle. The bus driver responds and rear-ends the car in front. As the bus pulls over, at least 20 passengers get off the bus. Soon after, ICBC receives an injury claim from just one of the passengers, someone the public insurer is calling Jane Doe. The Jane Doe tells insurance adjusters that her injuries affected her sleeping and the pain was increasing. She also claimed that she lost her part-time job as a fitness instructor. Here's ICBC spokesperson Joanna Linsigan. She had provided us some receipts for, for things like physiotherapy or massage therapy, and in good faith, we repaid her and reimbursed her for those amounts. But there was something that stood out to adjusters about the case. They investigated and found CCTV video footage from the bus, which showed the woman disembarking with no signs of pain. Then the adjuster went online and found pictures of her exercising and traveling. ICBC says it tried to work with the woman without the courts, but she hired a lawyer. 
In the end, Crown charged her under the Insurance Vehicle Act for providing false information. It is hard for ICBC to measure exactly how much fraud is committed every year, but the public insurer says the best guess is it costs the company more than $600 million annually. The cost of that fraud is then passed on to customers and is one of the factors of rapidly increasing rates, according to ICBC. I'm Ben Dooley, and that's Dooley Noted. Thanks, Ben. Time for a couple more consumer quickies before we have to go. Consumer Reports has released a new survey finding about cars versus SUVs and fuel economy. Their bottom line? Cars are still more fuel efficient. Basic physics is the reason no matter how much you trim down and design the vehicle, an SUV is simply larger than a car, and that creates more wind resistance, which costs more to drive. The researchers even went to the extent of trying vehicles made by the same company with identical engines and powertrains, and the result was always the same. The larger, heavier SUV simply used more gas. In the States, and similar numbers are likely here in Canada, the ratio has changed dramatically as drivers now choose SUVs over cars by a 70-30 split. Five years ago, it was 50-50. Some industry analysts say consumers will return to cars en masse if gas prices spike at the same time the economy goes south and people think their jobs are threatened. We have a hard time seeing that's going to happen anytime soon, they quickly add, and say that drivers will quickly change back if if gas prices drop. So SUVs definitely winning the battle. United Airlines is adding several new routes to Europe, underscoring the pursuit of airlines of high fare passengers. It's uh, adding new destinations in France and Italy to accommodate premium leisure travelers and adding flights to places that already fly like London that appeal to business travelers. Many of the flights will use the Boeing 767 jet that United is configuring with fewer seats than planes it's replacing, but with more business class seats that, well, generate much higher fares. Like most airlines, United uses so-called wide-body planes on international routes, so transatlantic growth isn't slowed by the grounding of the Boeing 737 MAX. We'll keep an eye on this file and see how successful the modification by United Airlines chasing higher paying passengers works out. That is our show for today. Thank you for being with us here on Vancouver Consumer. You can reach us anytime at Van Consumer or to Sterling at cknw.com. For Ben Dooley, I'm Sterling Fox inviting you to join us next Saturday at 2 for another edition of Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.